0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer
1: your support now and now on with the show
0: you don't like the drake i hate the drake i
1: love the drake how
0: could you not like the drake who's the drake
1: who's the drake the
0: drake is good Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, the Drake. I love the Drake. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000 Robin series Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans and from time to time taking a look at the modern era of tim drake in the pages of dc comics while also talking about other robin and batman happenings in the world so sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the drake good for them love the drake
1: got to love the drake i'm impressed what can i say i'm irresistible Hello and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I am Ryan Haas and this is episode seventy-eight. We can be found on various social media outlets such as Twitter at ELTD Podcast, Facebook at Facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake, and you can email the show at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. Uh, you can also leave a review over on iTunes to help spread the word about the show. Uh as you can hear, this is one of uh, the classic, uh, re-recorded intros for the ELTD podcast, but it is not Rob. No, it is me, Ryan. And, uh, the reason for that is because I'm not actually on this show. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to do the intro myself. Um. And also in classic ELTD fashion, I thought, uh, you know, give you a little peek behind the curtain here. We originally were going to do, uh, this really cool King Snake storyline and get back into the normal Robin, uh, timeline in the main Robin series, uh, and, which was Detective Comics 685, Robin 17, and Batman Detective Comics 686. We were all very excited. We, we, we all had it planned out. Uh, we were going to record and of course I screwed things up because, uh, I got sick. Uh, yet again, uh, it's one of those things I'm discovering as as a, as a new father. When you have a toddler in daycare, you do tend to get sick. So, uh, that was a bummer because we were looking forward to it and I'm sure you'll hear Terrence and Rob, uh, talk about that, uh, when they get into the show and what this show actually is, is, um... A review of uh, Robin plus uh, number one, which features impulse, uh, which is written by uh, you know Wade and Augustine. and um, uh, Brian Augustine, by the way, is the uh, one of the guys that wrote is the guy that wrote uh, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, uh, which is a pretty popular Batman story, and uh, just a little mini plug here. We've got two Batman on film episodes from earlier this year where we interview him about, uh, that book, and then there's also a commentary with him, uh, that goes over the animated adaptation of Gotham by Gaslight, uh, which, which were some pretty fun shows. So I would listen to those after you listen to this show, if you have a good time. Uh, and, you know, my little mini review of Robin Plus Impulse is, I enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of a quick, fun little read, and, and to me, it's, it's kind of a, it plays like a like a quick, fun episode of the animated series. You know, it's just um, fun, fun character work, fun little story. Um, but I'm going to let Rob and Terrence take it from here, and hopefully, the next episode we'll get back to this King Snake storyline.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I am your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 78. Uh, with me is my good buddy. Terrence O'Neill, and it's been a little bit since you've been on the show.
2: I'm back. I have a two-episode absence. You you guys I said, oh, I can't make this episode... And then all of a sudden, that turned into two episodes. And uh, the the fan mail has been overwhelmingly positive of my absence. But too bad, guys, you're back now. I'm back. So, but yeah, no, it's good to, to be here. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to a kind of a special issue today. This is kind of unique.
0: Yeah, I had uh, made a post on Twitter that this episode we were going to cover Detective uh, 685 and 688 it crossed over with Robin 17, obviously, and uh, that was the plan. And then Ryan sent us. The- this picture of him in the hospital wearing one of those medical masks because he had to take his daughter out to the hospital because they thought she had strep throat and then guess what ryan now has it too
2: wah, wah. <laughs> actually his whole family's got strep throat right yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so that did change uh the plans uh, just a little bit So we got to thinking, well, what were we going to do? So uh, our sister show, uh, Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast, go check us out on iTunes. Um, uh, We thought, well, we were going to record something there. And then Terrence had this uh, really cool idea. I think it just fit fit in if you're kind of reading uh, the Superman – or excuse me, the Flash books right now. Um, I'm just going to let Terrence uh, say this. Um, This is us jumping forward just a little bit into our timeline, which I will – have something to do about that a little bit later, That's kind of a little further down the road. We'll explain uh, this idea. But uh, Terrence had a good uh, way for us to kind of break off a little bit from what we've normally been doing. So uh, Terrence, why don't you tell the good people out there uh, kind of what your idea was?
2: Yeah. So uh, you actually got to speak to the author of this book, which is um, kind of jealous here because he also wrote uh, Gotham uh, by Gaslight. But back in uh, 96, DC Comics came out with these like one-shots called Plus like Plus One, I guess. like Kind of like a wedding. You know, you, it's you plus one. And uh, at the time, one of the hot comics was uh, Impulse from The Flash. And, and ready for spoilers here? So, so if you don't want to be spoiled, okay, you were warned. Uh, Flash 50 just spoilers. wrapped up. And <laughs> that was the end of The Flash War. And just like in the last like two pages, just thrown out of nowhere, impulse comes back. Uh, there was no rhyme for it. There was no reason. There was. I'm I'm sure they'll have some yeah. kind of backstory. Um, <laughs> the Flash War story was great. So if you weren't reading it, you got you got to pick that up. But um, there was a, a whole thing with yeah, the yeah. space time continuum, uh, and now the Flashes can't just travel in time at will like Barry Allen did for the Flashpoint. So, I'm assuming right. it had something to do with that, but what was cool is um, the picture in Flash 50 looks just like the cover of uh, Robin plus Impulse number one from 1996 that we're going to review, so he's in his classic costume, he's not in the kid Flash and he's not been um, changed to a man like he was for a while. You know, he remember he, he was an adult and had like the shortest running Flash book, I think it went 13 issues or something like <laughs> right. that uh, before they brought back Wally West and his kids. Uh, so we said, yeah, well, yeah. let's do this. I, I hinted this on our YouTube page. I actually made a couple of YouTube videos this week, and uh, we are at 96 subscribers on the YouTube page. So I've got a little something special planned when we hit 100 subscribers. So if you so haven't close. subscribed to our YouTube page, go there. We don't... When we hit 100, we can have like a nice, easy website name for it, but right now it's just some like random letters and numbers after YouTube.com. So just search Everyone Loves the Drake or Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast, and you'll you'll see it there. And so I, I kind of teased this. Um, so when we hit 100 subscribers, Rob, Rob doesn't even know what the special thing is. So, yes. Yeah, but-
0: I, I was watching it going, hey, I'm not sure what he has. Did, do, do I know about this? I'm not sure. No, <laughs> no going have to watch yeah watch it be something like your your junk mail or yes or, or something like that so th- this will be kind of fun to see uh, what what yeah. this is going to be uh be like as you as you do this
2: it's a uh you know like Maury Povich does those like paternity <laughs> things yeah it's a, it's a it's a DNA test to see you know who is Rob's real father <laughs> yeah
0: or yeah, who who was the guy that oh, I forget the name of the the guy that uh, had the TV broadcast about Al Capone's vault and uh, trying to think like, oh well, what was that guy's name oh
2: that was uh, no oh gosh what was that guy's name people are like screaming it right yeah, now they're like so things. and so <laughs> uh, oh man i totally blank I see his face I see his mustache yeah with and everything.
0: the yeah right oh my gosh this is where Rob's editor's note will be in here.
2: Oh, I just got it. Geraldo Rivera.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I
2: did not... I That that came from the back of my mind somewhere. I did not use Google for that one, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: yeah. So you end up watching that live broadcast where they open the vault? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that whole thing. They get to the end of it, and there's nothing there but a bunch of crap and boxes and dirt. No wonder you got a chair thrown at you, Geraldo. So what's your thing going to be? Like this empty bag and board?
2: <laughs> yeah. It's an empty (laughs) bag and board. Well, hopefully by the time this airs, we'll have a couple more subscribers. Yeah, that'll be really cool to see
0: uh, what is in the bag and board to your Geraldo Rivera thing. Duck, so a chair doesn't hit you. So that's what Terrence has got going over at the uh, YouTube page. Like I said, we're really close to 100. And I know he's uh, talking about some Young Justice uh, comic book stuff there, which kind of filters into the book that we're talking about, Robin Plus Impulse. So we might as well just uh, get into it. This came out in December of nineteen. Uh, 96. So this is what I'm calling jumping the red bird, if you will. This is going to be a feature once we launch our Patreon is a one of the tiers is going to be, we haven't got it ironed out yet, but something you can do where you want us to jump chronologically in from where we are. So let's say we're at issue 35 and you say, Hey, I uh, want you guys to jump to wa- issue 125 and cover that story arc. So we would cover that story arc and then jump back. So that's uh, a feature that we're going to have once we launch our, uh, Patreon. But I know Terrence, you said you wanted, uh, you had a, a question or so before we get started into this. So, uh, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask you because uh, I know you said you were reading the Flash at this time, and so so was I. Um, and I have the floppy copy. You have the floppy too, right? Yeah. So yeah, so we can talk about some of the ads and things like that. That's always fun to travel back in time 22 years and see see this what was uh, being sold to us. But um, what was your thoughts on impulse? Uh, at this point, impulse had been in the Flash book for a while and he had his own book as well uh, so I was just curious what were your thoughts on impulse and, and then um, also his appearance in the young justice cartoon
0: I, I liked impulse I, I had a confession I really wasn't reading him in his own book that much and even his own little mini series. It was only in when he appeared in the Flash. I really liked him. I didn't read much of him until the Young Justice uh, comic book series came out. So that wasn't until, you know, much later, obviously, uh, but I always dug him and I loved it, his outfit and just his interaction again with Tim, but that's not until Young Justice, but I always really liked him. In with his interactions, in with The Flash, uh, Wally West, I just thought that was just a really good characterization between the two. And I also liked that he was a uh, relative of, uh, you know, uh, Barry Allen, which I I thought was really pretty cool as well.
2: Yeah, I like him. And then for listeners who are not as familiar with Impulse, he's Bart Allen, and he's from the future. I believe he's Barry Allen's, like, great-grandson or great-grandson, because Barry Allen... I believe continuity. his continuity gets really, really sick. But I believe he died in the Christ on infinite earths. Yeah. But before he died, he went to um, the Charities future. Sound funny. And lived his life with uh, his wife in the future for a while. And in the future, they had children. And then this was his grandchildren. So he's like from the year like 2,900 or something. Like yeah. He's like really far in the future. And when he was born, he had the power of... Um, the Speed Force, and he was taken and put in, like, a virtual reality uh, simulator where nothing could harm him. So no matter what he did, like, if he ran out in the traffic, the cars would stop or the, the, the program would reset or really sick. So when he's come up time on Earth, he doesn't have that sense of danger. Like, he'll walk out in traffic and think, oh, yeah, the computer, no, he, he just doesn't have that, which is kind of a really fun thing to do in comics. And uh, he had, what do you he have? Um, he's got, like, a sort of a guru, Max Mercury, who I believe is now just not in the continuity at all. I believe they when he when they did the Flash War. I think there was like little snippets of him like in the background as they're running through the time stream, but I don't think he's actually made it as a, a full time character in the no. New Rebirth. Uh, so it it was a really fun book, but the thing I didn't like and this kind of turned me off on comics is seen to be right around this time in '96, and especially with books with younger. Um, Heroes like Impulse and Robin get kind of suckered. It's this old stylized art where it looks really almost like Japan animation. What they call jet? jet I forget what they call that. You know, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that. yeah. But it was like before manga. I mean, maybe Mongo was around, but it was before it was really a, a popular thing in America. But it's like the heads are really big. They almost look like Funko Pop dolls. Uh, huge <laughs> feet, big feet, big yeah. big hands. Things aren't really in proportion or natural looking. And it's very cartoony. And it a lot of times it, it takes me out of the... The story, and a lot of people kind of like copied it. Like on page 15 in the story, jumping around, there's a a picture of Bart's face where he's screaming, and it's just like over exaggerated, almost like a Teen Titans Go kind of thing or Powerpuff Girls. And I I really did not like it. I mean, there were, I mean, uh, what did you think of this style? Or were you aware of that like style creeping in at this time? And it seems to have gone away too, so which I'm happy about. Yeah. But uh, what are, what are you what are your thoughts on that?
0: I the the style didn't bother me so much. I mean, other than the Flash, I mean, even the Robin book a little bit around this time, we'll start getting some over exaggerated uh, things. That was just <laughs> Samurai Jack might not have been out around this time, but it's kind of like that real. I think you hit the nail on the head. Real Teen Titans go and just loud and aggressive, but it didn't really phase the Bat books that much. Like it crept into Robin a little bit, but it wasn't so like in your face. And maybe that's why I wasn't picking up Impulse uh, at, at the time, where. I guess I kind of rectified it like or compartmentalized it that this is just how he was in the future. But again, you could kinda of, like you said, you could kind of see that through uh this era of DC comics, but I was just kinda of glad it didn't really affect the Batman comics because I was kind of a one trick pony back then. If it wasn't a Bat family character, I really wasn't reading it that much other than kind of Aquaman a little bit and Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern, which at the same time did get some of that big head, big feet, but I really noticed it more in the flash book when Bart was in there because I think that was just a good way of showing more speed. I, I could be full of, you know, horse manure if if that's if that's something. But you know, anyway. I'll tell you the the funny thing or the odd thing about this, as I was prepping to do this show, I <laughs> I don't remember Hardly anything. I know I read it, and I was excited to get it to be like, oh, cool. You know, impulses in this with Robin, and uh, we kind of got a little bit of a taste of an annual, if you will. But uh, I was going. D- did you remember this? Am I <laughs> am I the only one here? Yeah, I read this book
2: um, yesterday, and I don't remember it. Okay. Like as I read it, I was I realized like I don't remember anything at all about this book. And right before I read this book, I read um, the Batman uh, 100 page comic from Walmart number one, yeah. which had um, just fantastic the, the original story is fantastic um, yeah I'm not familiar with that artist but patch Zurich Zuricher was his name yeah. and we're we're gonna review that for on the uh, Robin. Uh, Batman and Robin Eternal podcast, yep. so check out our sister podcast for that. Plug. But then also the story, the second story in there is the first chapter of Hush with Jim Lee's pencils, which are just man in this hundred-page um, book in the the glossy paper, the art looks just phenomenal. It just looks so great. I hadn't read that first chapter in years, and then I read um, the other story in that. Is the Nightwing story uh, with Eddie Barrow's artwork, which yeah. that's um, the New Fifty Two Nightwing number one, which is also incredible artwork, and they're all very realistic and just fantastic. The Harley Quinn story I skipped. I, I'm not
0: same here. <laughs> I
2: did. I like to thumb through, and I'm like, yeah, I remember this. Uh, I'm not gonna read it. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And then I read. Um, Batman fifty one and fifty two the Lee Weeks art and then I went to Robin Impulse so the, the stylized uh, drawing of Robin kind of like really shook me after reading those those art and seeing those artwork yeah it really shook me um, the I was I gonna say oh so the month that this came out um, just to to give people some uh, perspective that is the month that Robin thirty six came out. So, this is where we're we're jumping to. And yep. Impulse, let's see, what Impulse number came out? Impulse had a little lower sales, so I have to go down. Oh, here we go. Impulse number 20 came out that month. Wow. And also that month, which is kind of surprising, but um, Batman The Long Halloween number one. Came out that month, which was only the 43rd best selling book of the month, but yet that has, you know, gone on to influence movies and is probably
0: more well known than all these X books that are in the top uh, 40 here. All right, like we do, this is a good time to grab your book if you got it. If you don't, go download it. And uh, we'll get into the synopsis for Robin Plus Impulse number one. Here we go. All right, for the synopsis, Robin Plus One. Cover date is December 1996. On sale date is October 30th, 1996. Cover price is $2.95. Oh, we've had a jump in price, but we've also jumped in years in the show here. Just a few. Uh, The editor is Jordan B. Gorfinkel. Uh, the title is Dashing Through the Snow. Writer is Brian Michael Augustine. Writer also is Mark Wade. Penciler is John Royal. Inker is Rob, Leah, or Rob Lee. rather. Uh, letter is John Costanza. And the colorist is Jason Wright. Uh, the cover credits go to Mike Rowingo. I love pr- trying to pronounce his name. And John Dell III. Uh, the synopsis today is taken from DCWikia.com. And here we go for the synopsis Dashing Through the Snow. In Gotham City, Robin investigates a burglary of an old computer equipment involving a former spy of the Soviet Union named Preuter Vilk. Vilk's trail leads to a ski resort in Virginia. Therefore, Tim Drake decides to travel there with some friends and Alfred Pennyworth. Arriving there, as well as none other than Impulse, together with his high school class, as well as Maxwell Mercury, who quote-unquote, volunteered to look after the kids. Bart and Tim meet for the first time using a ski lift while Tim is eager for some action. Bart clearly seems petrified of skiing, thus backs off in front of his classmates. After sunset, Bart watches how none other than Vilk leaves the lodge with the briefcase. Robin is alerted also and follows Vilk using cross-country skis, but he is not careful enough. That is why Vilk fires a gun at the boy wonder. Thanks to Impulse, none of the bullets hit their target. Robin thanks Bart for the help and immediately realizes that Bart Allen and Impulse are one and the same person. Robin agrees to team up with Impulse, but without revealing his own secret identity. Again following Volk, our heroes discover a military camp, Via radio, Alfred advises Robin to stay put because an extremely volatile militia group named the White Heat might be involved. Of course, Impulse does not wait for nobody and runs into the camp and the fight with the bad guys begins. Mistral, a woman on an undercover mission, joins the fray as well. The three heroes try to follow Vilk and his partner Deegan, but the villains escape. An incoming blizzard worsens the situation for the heroes, and in the Lodge, Max Mercury decides to search for Bart Allen. Using telepathic powers, Maestrel is able to locate Vilk at Mount Crockett, which also inhabits the abandoned military base with nuclear weapons. As Robin, Impulse, and Maestrel enter the base and attack the villains, it becomes obvious that Vilk and Deegan are looking to use the nuclear weapons for different reasons. Vilk kills his partner and sets off the countdown to start the missiles one needs a password to stop the countdown again but thankfully bart's super speed allows to try enough combinations to be successful after that robin impulse and maestrel defeat vilk's remaining henchmen after parting ways with the mysterious maestrel the boys make their way back to the lodge Okay, that was the synopsis. Uh, Taking a look at the cover here before we get to the interior of the book and before I turn it over uh, to Terrence here, I think the cover is really good. It's got the big Robin banner across the top that lets you know that this is Robin's book, plus Impulse. It's got Tim Drake, Robin front and center. The costume looks absolutely superb in this. I like the way uh, the metallic sheen looks off the R, the bright yellow from the explosion, yellow, can't tell my colors, the orange from the colors of the explosion in the background with Robin... In the lead because quote unquote it's his book again to that in just a second with impulse racing down the snowy bank behind him it looks really cool what do you think of uh, uh, the cover here of Robin plus uh, impulse Terrence
2: yeah the cover was great and speaking of covers and I forgot to say this I mentioned that impulse twenty came out this month. Impulse 20 has one of my favorite covers of all time. It's just like the top of Impulse's head, and you see his eyes, and he's reading a Flash comic with a little DC logo. So, and the rest of it is all white. It's kind of a, a lot of basically cool So, If you've never seen a Impulse 20, Google that cover because it's pretty cool. And uh the on up here looks like. You a sound bucks. funny. I mean, it looks fantastic. Like the R looks metallic. Um, the laces, yeah. the colors, everything looks just amazing. And ditto you know, on what you said, Impulse. And, you know, I liked in the cartoon Young Justice. Um, when Impulse showed up, they really did a good job making his costume making him look like he just stepped out of the comic. Uh, so, yeah, it, it works really well here. So, yeah, great cover. Uh,
0: the thing that I think is odd to me, we'll see if you have the the same opinion that I do, is that this got the Robin Banner on the top of it, plus the impulse to let you know, hey, this is Robin's book here. Uh, but with the art team and Mark Wade writing this book, this does not feel like a Robin book to me. We're so used to Chuck Dixon writing uh, Tim Drake at this point that this feels like this should have been Impulse uh, plus Robin. Did you get that vibe out of this? Um, I it, just, it didn't feel like a Robin book to me.
2: Well, it's funny you say that, and to avoid your question for just a second. <laughs> I thought it was odd that... There were no ads in here for Robin monthly title or this is monthly title. I'm not sure how the ads work and I'm sure and going back then if you could change ads in different books in every book. Because I remember back like in the eighties and nineties, I'd read books. Like I'd be reading like Wonder Woman twenty three or whatever. And there'd be an ad for that book in the book. And I'd be like, i bought the book already. Why is there an ad for this? I think even with some of the Nightfall and NightQuest, there was Nightfall and NightQuest ads for books. In the same book, I'm like, I've got the book. Why, you could have put a different book here, and you know, so I, f- I found that kind of odd. And um, yeah, I, I was I was kind of surprised it wasn't Chuck Dixon writing this. I thought it was pretty balanced between the two characters. Like there was equal yeah. time for both of them, and a lot of time where they're together. Um, I did kind of think to myself when I opened the book, okay. Will this sound like Tim Drake? Now that this is somebody other than Chuck Dixon reading, I'm sorry, writing, it's me reading, uh, it's Chuck Dixon writing, Is it, it? will it sound different? Will Tim be different? And I gotta tell you, those first couple pages, he really did sound different to me. He, he yeah. did not feel like the Chuck Dixon, Tim Drake. It sounded like Dick Grayson. He, he, the way Tim is um, overconfident, he's arrogant, He's uh, making, like, jokes and quips and talking about Tom Cruise um, and, and making modern references. That's something Dixon, you know, totally avoided was, like, the modern reference. And it just sounded like two guys, because this is written by Mark Wade and Brian Augustine, who you interviewed. Um, yep. It sounded like two guys just reverting back to classic Robin, the 66 Robin, the Dick Grayson Robin. But then as the book got going... That kind of went away, and it was more the Tim Drake that we're we're used to. Um, Did you feel that in the um, opening?
0: Yeah, the opening seemed... This almost is, like you said, it's one of those things that Chuck Dixon wouldn't do, and he said it on our show, episode 51, go check it out, that uh, he didn't try and do a lot of placeholders to let you know that this is from 1996. So the Mission Impossible movie is going on at this time. So that kind of dates the book. In this opening section, this is where I was really like, man, this is this is going to feel a little different since Chuck's not writing this. And this almost feels like it was more of a pitch for, we want to do this Robin Plus One, but Chuck is knee-deep in all these other Bat books. So let's get Mark Wade and his team... And we'll just slap the Robin title on this, and it's, it feels like a flash book, and it's more like one of those, I feel like, as they were doing these first few pages, they were going through other Tim Drake books and going, oh, this is what Tim Drake is supposed to sound like. So, yeah, it, it, it did have a little kind of like 66 vibe uh, out of it. So uh, let's uh, crack this thing open, Terrence, and uh, why don't you uh, start the book off uh, for us?
2: Yeah, so, like, for those of you who don't have the book in front of you, it starts off with Robin breaking into a place, descending by rope, a la Tom Cruise in that first Mission Impossible. And I'm a, there's a voice on the line, which I'm assuming is Batman and tells him to be careful, and Robin's response is, don't worry, I learned this move from Tom Cruise. And that's just not a Tim Drake kind of response. That's, that's no. Dick Grayson. Then he's hanging upside down, and the, the, the person stole something from the Gotham Telephone Company, and it's from a really, really old computer, even old by 1996 standards. And Tim's response is, uh... Uh, All right, but what did he ever use this stuff for anyway? Call waiting for George Washington? Which is not funny, and it's not what Tim Drake would say. Like, Dick Grayson? Yes. You know, but not him. And then, um, there's, um, I I don't know, something else that I thought was here. I can't find it here. But then, um, when when this mysterious person shows up, who's a woman, um... With a gold mask and, and long flowing gold hair and a purple costume, she uh, snaps the rope. She rips the rope, and uh, he falls. And on page four, uh, you've seen Deadpool. Where it's like, He's going to do superhero landing. He's going to do superhero landing. Go to super landing. Superhero landing. This is like classic Robin superhero <laughs> landings. We have too many Robin uh, superhero landings here. But when you saw that, did you think superhero landing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> that's kind of funny it's a good good pose here before. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um
2: and then uh yeah it just it seemed weird too because on page four this is clearly a woman right like she's clearly an adult and Robin refers to her yeah. as a girl there was a girl but now she's gone and then later on she she's undercover Monstral. and um as, as, like, the girlfriend of this bad guy, and then he figures out that the two are the same, and he goes to, and he is about to call her a blonde bimbo, and then, like, stops himself. I don't know if you caught that. I have to find what page it was. And I thought that yeah. was a very yeah. un-Tim Drake-like kind of s- segment here. But then, I guess, here we go yeah. back. And page five, they start, they're at a ski lodge, and it's a little more sounding like tim drake but uh did was there anything else you wanted to say about those opening sequence or are you ready to go skiing
0: (laughs) yeah it's just it's one of those that uh i i think it's a it's a good start but it it left me a little maybe this is why i i just didn't remember it it as well as i do some of the other robin issues it just seemed off character for tim drake and it was coming off such, you know, a great run so far from Chuck Dixon, it just, it felt a little weird. So I'm glad it started to feel a little bit more like Tim Drake, you know, once we get into the the body of the story. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess that's the only intelligent thing I have left to say in repeating what you said. So let's, let's get, continue on.
2: Sure. So uh, in the, the skiing part here, you know, Mark Wade, I've heard him on interviews and I've heard him Talk about what a big fanny is of Archie comics. And I think he's even written a lot of the, the new Archies and Riverdales. And this has a very Archie comic feel with, you know, a bunch of teenagers and the, the gang here. And it's it's kind of cool to see Tim Drake's, like, friends. Ives is here skiing with them. Ariana's here skiing. Um, and I guess it kind of serves as, like, an introduction to people, you know, like, hey, here's his, his circle. Uh, but it's kind of weird because he's tracking the bad guy. To these mountains here in Virginia, and um, it just seems weird that he would bring along his friends. Like, if you're going undercover and trying to get the bad guy, why bring just you know? Why why bring trouble? Like Ariana, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading in too much into it. Maybe he's he couldn't go away skiing. You know? Oh yeah, I'm I'm leaving for the weekend or what? I I don't know. It just seemed weird to like why bring this complication with you? Did you did you feel that too?
0: Yeah, it, it seems sounds like we're complaining already it seems a little out of left field like is this a yeah is is this a a class trip um they don't if if this was going to happen to chuck dixon book it just would have been tim and alfred going out but did you set up that ariana's there and ives is there and a couple other people that they run into so was this something that the school was doing as a ski trip or it made me go, was there something in the previous Robin issue where Tim and his friends just decided they were going to go up to the ski lodge for the weekend, and this case happened to be built around that? So uh, Tim was like, hey, let's just go up there. He can use his friends as a cover. It's It seemed a little odd and a little like, hey, what's, what's going on?
2: And the Ariana seems a little off character, too. Yeah. She seems a little more forward. Like, at one point... Um what does he say? I've says, uh, and how about you, Ariana? Are you enjoying the Virginia winter? And she says, very much. And Tim, I'm looking forward to sitting by the fireplace tonight, dot, 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 even more. And the more is like emphasized. So it's like, I, I, you know, I get it, but it was Man. a little bit crazy. And then you see up in the window that they do have a chaperone. And then on page six, which these pages are numbered, which is nice, um, you see that it's Alfred. And here's where I have a little issue with the art. Um, the coloring at some points in this book, I feel, was was kind of subpar, especially when we've been looking at a lot of our, our, our I think it's Adriana Roy's art uh, coloring, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. And here, like... This room is just way too yellow. Like the walls are yellow, the floor is yellow, the carpet's yellow, the lamps yellow, the the towels are yellow. Like everything is just like this yellow mustard color. Tim Drake comes in and he's got a mustard yellow um, shirt, which then turns white somehow in the next panel, and his pants are purple. I don't know. It just the coloring just seemed I, I don't know off a lot of it. And then at one point, um, this is jumping ahead, but the yeah. the I guess what is her name? It's, it's I gotta Maestro. find it here. Um, the the person who cut the rope on uh, Tim Drake, that woman on page Maestro, yes. Which I don't believe she ever made another appearance on page um, nineteen twenty. On page twenty, she rips off her bro- blonde wig to reveal that she actually has blonde hair. Like her yeah. wig and her hair look exactly the same almost. It's like, what is going on? And I'm I'm only assuming that that is some kind of coloring mistake somewhere where it said blonde hair and the colorist just did it blonde hair for all of it. But it's yeah. like, you know, let me take off my blonde wig to show my blonde hair. But it's it's not um, horrendous where I'm like, oh, I can't enjoy this book. But it just seemed a little odd did you have any um impressions about the coloring or are you noticing it now as i say
0: uh, it? maybe noticing it now <laughs> just a little bit but it kind of kind of looking at it now through that lens it only seems like okay here are the four crayons we have to color with and any other colors that you're going to use yeah. are just uh, that's almost like a pastel like if you're going to use yellow then you're going to use this kind of yellow and then yeah. that kind of yellow and then this a lighter kind of shade of yellow. So I know that kind of sounds a little stupid but it's it's not as deep as you would get like you said from an Adrian Roy. So I don't know if this was a a rush job so or they just weren't paying that much attention to the background colors like oh, we're going to make Alfred's, you know, shirt yellow, and then the room is going to have a well, more like an, an olive green color of a shirt, and then that's a little derivative of a yellow. And Tim's Drake, Tim Drake's shirt is yellow. The wall is yellow. The door is yellow. So it just seems a lot of repeating colors throughout the book. Even the blues are the same way, where everybody's yeah. got a different shade of blue. Like all the skiers out there, there's one, two, three, four, five people in blue shirts or blue pants, and the snow has a tinge of blue to it it's a-
2: especially when you read some modern comics with the computerized coloring yeah. and all the different colors that are available <laughs> now this this is quite shocking but it makes you appreciate what um some great colorists back in these ancient times could do um so tim drakes comes into the room with alfred alfred's setting up all this high-tech fancy equipment and tim has got looks like some kind of telescope, which uh, he's sticking out the window, or a camera looking at this this bad guy. I can't even remember his name. Was it Volik or something like that? No, Vilk, yeah. V I L K, Vilk, who's a, um, a a Russian who is. We're not really quite sure why he stole that ancient computer or what exactly he's doing, but they're monitoring it. This is where we see he's got a uh, young girlfriend with blonde hair and some other guy. Um, And then in the background as he's looking, he says, uh, Here comes some kids, or nothing more kids, one in particular with really big
0: feet.
2: (laughs) I thought that was a funny joke on the art style with um, Impulse. And here comes Impulse, and we see some of his friends from the book, which I haven't read Impulse books in 20 years, so I don't really remember quite all these kids. But one of them... um, I can't remember his name here, says his wallet is missing, and Bart's uh, Impulse secretly gets out of his parka, runs a few hundred miles home, gets his wallet, says he found it in the snow, while Max Mercury is flipping out that he's going to be exposed and caught. So I guess this is kind of their way to introduce that, like this is Impulse and he's a speedster, and the people around him on this school trip don't know who he is, and he's just kind of, um, well... Impulsive, (laughs) you know, and and then it gives you sort of a little background of uh, who and what he is. So you know, these team ups and stuff, it's always a little clunky of how the heroes are going to meet or how they're going to be together or. How, you know, the coincidence that they both happen to be on the same ski slope at the same time and all that. But, you know, you got to kind of, I think, take that with a grain of salt. If you let that bother you too much, then what's the point of even right. re- you know, reading the book? You know, at some point, you just got to kind of go, hey, okay, yeah, it's a comic. Like, I don't need... T- you know 20 extra pages of how they got together just put them on the same thing and let's go uh what were your thoughts here on the introduction of impulse and math I thought it was
0: really kind of clever and the, the the funny the gag thing that I liked about it is you don't even see him get out of his parka that he moves so quick that and it, maybe it's just because the parka is so thick and the snow boots are so big that everything just stood up but it's a nice little gag that he zips out of his parka runs home is able to find his buddy's wallet and gets back in it before uh carol yeah carol's her name is able to put her hands up on top of the jacket and bam you know he's right there so i thought that was a neat little gag that you kind of see how fast he really is
2: and you know what i do like is they they sort of hint at who and what he is but they don't kill you with three pages of exposition giving us his whole backstory and all that. Like, it just gives you just a hint of who and what he is. And it's almost like, okay, if you like this, go read his book. And so I I appreciate that. as someone who's read a million pages of like just you know feeling like you're reading a wikipedia right. you know excerpt um and then this is something that no one's ever said before in comics <laughs> but um and i'm ready for some hate mail, yeah Rob, here we go <laughs> we're gonna get some hate mail all right so when tim asks bart you know where are you where do you come from when they when the two groups meet up bart says um alabama i come from alabama And Tim says, don't get much winter down there in the south. Uh, Well, it's great to meet someone from someplace interesting. So this is the first and only time anyone's ever referred to Alabama as someplace interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know about you. I've been to Alabama, and I didn't find it very interesting. It was kind of uh, very boring. (laughs) But uh, all right, so – Alabama people send us the hate mail. Oh, please don't. <laughs> but, although there's probably somebody sitting in Alabama going, yeah, tell me about it. I'm the one stuck here. And, and, and where I live is not much better either because I'm pretty bored where I am. It's not an exciting place. But um, <laughs> anyway, they end up on the same ski lift together, Tim and Impulse. And they're kind of going up the ski lift. And I think it's kind of funny that Impulse kind of gets like a fear of heights and is afraid to go down the mountain uh, on skis normally. I couldn't tell if he was actually really afraid or if he was, this was like part of his cover and they don't really go back to it. But what did you think? Was this real or was this his cover? I
0: I can believe it was real. I mean, for all we know in the future, they may not have had snow or done anything like this. So for somebody that's able to run really fast and be in control, he's not in control here. But I think it's even funnier. They're, is Carol and Ariana and neither one of the two boys are with their respective girlfriends or a girl interest. It's like, no, the girls are in one cart and uh, (laughs) Bart and Tim are in another ski lift. I thought, that's kind of odd.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even think of that until you just said that. And then I'm like, yeah, what's going on there? Um, That's kind of funny. Um, And then uh,
0: did you have the original Game Boy? Yes, yes, I did.
2: Did you catch the reference to it on page 13? <laughs> yeah,
0: I thought that was cool. What's it called? The uh, Oh, I can't find It's called Game, game Lab. Lab. Yeah, that's right. I thought that was uh, kind of cool.
2: Yeah, if anyone's played the original Game Boy, this will bring back memories for you here. Uh, and so Bart is playing the game, and he noticed this bad guy, Vilk, uh, leaving in the middle of the night. And so um, that guy, piques his interest and lo and behold Robin is outside waiting for him and um Robin's in his costume but it looks like he's got like a shirt on underneath it so he doesn't have his skin exposed and he does say that um he's got some kind of uh i can't oh where is it here um oh thermal filaments in his his costume to keep him warm so robin is sort of cross-country skiing um going after vilk here uh any thoughts on this rob
0: i did not realize it until you said it that he has a black uh, undershirt on like normally some of those they kind of forget to bring that back up uh after a while like the colorist will forget it but yeah i'm scrolling through. Uh, the pages here really quick. And yeah, he's got the undershirt all the way through. I think that's uh, a, a nice little, uh, detail that I think is sometimes overlooked where some people go, how can you we know, stay warm in a costume like that? That's, that's pretty cool. Shoot,
2: and I meant to I meant to look through this and I didn't have time, but there was one issue of uh Robin Comics where he was like in snow and he had a different version of his costume that um it's on the cover where he's like being pushed by the snow. It's it's something in the sixties or seventies I think, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. And um I was kinda of thinking, like, Oh yeah, too bad they didn't break out that. Um you know which cover I'm talking about? Or is Yeah,
0: I'm I'm trying to scroll through and uh and find it here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can I, I remember seeing it. Like he's get kind of getting forced out by the snow, and uh, it's kind of surrounded. Yeah. Him. Oh man,
2: I'll yeah. never find it. I have to go. Uh, editor's note: This is where win, which cover it is after we spend an hour looking. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Tim is trying to be stealthy and follow Vilk, but he gets his ski caught in a branch and it breaks, which causes Vilk to kind of look around. And just start shooting. <laughs> just, just. Turn. I heard a. I, I'm in the woods. I heard a snap. I'm just gonna shoot a machine right. gun. That won't. That won't. Um, get anybody suspicious in the. You know. Uh, ski lodge. That's only a few feet away. But uh, impulse comes running out and he says, Can, um, "Relax, Redbreast. Impulse is on the case. Consider these bullets caught." And he takes all the energy from the um, bullet. And what I love this is, here is. Um, Bart pushes Tim into the snow so he doesn't get shot again, and Tim looks right at him and says, "Thanks for the save, Bart." And he, Bart says, "That's okay." And this is when he makes that face and yells, "Did you say Bart? No, I'm not Bart. Who's Bart?" And I love that Tim just got his um, a secret identity in just you know a, a split second, and he says, "Big hair, bigger feet, call it a hunch." Yeah, so, uh, but then Bart wants to know Tim's. Um, Uh, what you call it, Uh, secret identity, and Tim will not tell him here. But did you like, Tim, figuring out the secret identity super fast?
0: Yeah, I think that was pretty cool. And I'm trying to remember if it's Young Justice or the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run. Maybe it's both. I think it started in Young Justice, and maybe it carried into Teen Titans, where Bruce told Tim not to reveal his secret identity. And I know that lasted quite a while uh, before... Um, it, it finally came out. And I want to I say maybe went all the way through Young Justice before it gets into Teen Titans. But anyway, editor's note, uh, issue 89 and 90 was that uh, Robin costume uh, where he's uh, in like the park or whatever.
2: It's cool. It almost has like a Guy Gardner kind of feel to it a little bit. And yeah, yeah I, really, I really like that um, costume and you don't see it very much. Now here, this t- struck me as really ironic because – We're recording this podcast on uh, August 12th, 2018. Uh, I read this yesterday on the 11th. One year ago today, I know we don't do a lot of current events or political stuff on this show, but it was about one year ago um, they had all the riots and the protests in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. And if anyone's ever been to Charlottesville, I've been there several times, in fact, on my personal youtube page just a couple videos of my family there um it's it's up in the mountains in virginia it's beautiful uh, we love it there we go to you know monticello and university of virginia and um the blue ridge mountains so i it kind of broke my heart to see all the just hatred ripping such a wonderful place apart, um, last year. And now in the news, I guess they're having some protests, um, for the one year anniversary. And there's some people, people there protesting sort of the white supremacy angle. And then there's people protesting against, you know, hatred and racism. And so here we find out that Vilk is working with a secret military camp and then Robin relays that info to Alfred, who then tells him it's sort of a white supremacist militia group up in the the mountains of Virginia calling themselves White Heat. And it's like, wow, 22 years later and we're still, you know, having this like white supremacy militia in the mountains of Virginia. It was almost kind of eerie. Did you make that connection when you read it?
0: No, no, not at all. I I didn't even put that together. It's, that is kind of eerie that came up. Uh, the, the my takeaway from this page says there's enough uh, major ordnance down there to arm Ohio. So I was like, oh, cool. My state got a little bit of mention. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't pick any of that up uh, at all.
2: Um, Rob's going to have to put a disclaimer on the, the start of this. The, the expressions or the opinions of Terrence O'Neill towards Alabama are his and his alone. Uh, okay, let's see. All right. Oh, so there seems to be a lot of people at this military camp because for <laughs> yeah. page after page after page is Robin and Impulse fighting these um, militia <laughs> people. It yeah. just seems like they're never ending. It's it's almost like Cobra and G.I. Joe on the cartoon or something. Like, you know, it just it never ends. But as they start fighting them, we see the girlfriend, quote-unquote, girlfriend of Vilk, who Robin thought could pass for his daughter, run off. (laughs) And this is where um, she throws off her blonde wig to reveal her blonde hair underneath and her costume. And that, what was she again? Oh, Mistral. M-Y-S-T-R-A-L. And I tried to do a search, and I didn't see her appearing ever again anywhere in DC Comics. So if anyone out there knows of Mistral's fate or whereabouts, please let us know. Cause according to all the wikis and um, comic vines and all that stuff, she just is gone. Um,
0: yeah. I, I did the same thing trying to uh, look for her as well. And I, I came up with the same thing. So she's got to be uh, a one and done character uh, for the story. I, I kind of, like. <laughs> yeah. That I don't think that was funny, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked, uh, uh, I, I liked her as she was in the story, but, you know, but I, I I'll tell you what is funny though, Terrence, as I was yeah. going through, uh, you know, the DC wiki page, uh, Deegan it is dead. So, uh, they, and they say, you know, last appearance. So they say first appearance with these other people, but they didn't put like final, uh, appearance for, you know, maestro, which I, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs>
2: As I read this, uh, right on this page here where she said Mistral, that's when I went to the website to try to look to see who she was, and I read that Deegan just died. I'm like, oh, well, he's going to die. Which one is he again? Like, who's he again? I kept forgetting. I'm like, which yeah. one's going to die again? And he is the leader of the White Heat, the White Supremacy Group here in the mountains of Virginia. Um, and as they're fighting, a blizzard kicks up. At one point, I think... Robin or Impulse is something of like, oh, this blizzard will help us fight them and they can't see the who they're shooting. Um, but it's kind of funny, like have they ever been to the mountains they know how weather works like when a blizzard comes in people prepare for it you know they evacuate ski lodges like you move to lower ground you you hunker in for the night it's like oh yeah by the way this blizzard just appeared and then later on they'll they'll be back at like the ski lodge it's like oh we're worried about the boys Let, let's hope for the best for them like um on page 22 you know it's just kind of like this this mysterious blizzard just, just happens to come in, and then it will just happen to disappear. It's a blizzard that lasts for about 45 minutes. Um, and then here in the fighting, um, Vilk throws some kind of grenade, which causes an avalanche, which buries um, Tim and Impulse and Mistril, and um, Bart gets them out of it, but it took him a while, and they're like, well, why didn't you do that in the beginning? He's like, well, no one asked me to, because he's just kind of... Bart Allen, and that's just kind of classic (laughs) Bart Allen. Uh, So, did you have any thoughts here about the avalanche, the blizzard, the cold front, the low-pressure system, anything?
0: (laughs) The the low-pressure system. I, I think the thing that's funny is that you're going up to the ski lodge, and you're going to spend time with your friends, whether this is a school trip or something Tim just did. Wouldn't you have checked to see what the weather is going to be on this before you head out uh, into the mountains. Like you, you would have gotten that information uh, pretty early on uh, as you're preparing for your trip. You would have said, Oh, there's, you know, a snow front that's moving in and they're treating this like, aha, the blizzard is going to be able to help uh, ward off the attack from uh, the bad guys. Yeah. That's true in all, but it's also going to not only give the bad guys cover, but, you're also gonna be at a disadvantage and it's played like it's up to your advantage so I thought that was uh kind of <laughs> weird uh, but the whole thing with the blizzard uh, there's something that happens at at the end of the book where uh, we never get back to the blizzard and everybody uh being w- uh, worried about it at all and uh no no it's that that's that's coming up like I said' it's, it's gonna be at the at the end of the book uh it, it's it's coming up in a, a little bit here. I feel it takes some of the, the danger and, oh my gosh, I hope the boys are uh, going to be okay out of it um, away from the story. And like I said, we'll, when we get there, I'll, I'll kind of point out, hey, re- remember this scene on uh, uh, page 20.
2: Well, I didn't even think of this, but now that I'm over analyzing this, um, it's kind of odd because it's nighttime when Tim goes after – you know um vilk on the skis and it's nighttime when bart leaves the lodge so it would have been very easy for max and alfred here in the lobby to know what was going on and and know that they're superheroes and just say oh yeah, you know, tim tim wasn't feeling good he went to lay down he's sleeping you know what is it 10 o'clock at night 11 you know maybe he'll be fine in the morning same thing with with uh Bart, but yet they've got like these, like a search party going on for them. It's just kind of a weird, weird thing that like they would be worried. Like Alfred was just in communication with him. Like he can't come up with a cover story. He's just got to go. All right. All right. I'm going to cover for Tim not being here. He's lost in a blizzard people he's going to die like, good cover Alfred yeah let's send the the, the National Guard after him um,
0: yeah I thought I just I that that's kind of what I was was getting at that there's all this doom and gloom oh my gosh all the boys are out there and we kind of forget that story beat by the end of the book yeah so uh, yeah that that was that was just my little thing that this this sense of urgency and the the poor cover on Alfred like br- Alfred has done this better for bruce you know even when he gets his back broken by bane they say oh you wrecked the porsche and uh you know that's that's why this is going on tim is like nope he's in a blizzard you know the boys are out there it's it's, it's that's just weird <laughs> yeah uh
2: so as we move on through the blizzard now it's a, a trio it's uh mistrial uh, Robin and Impulse, and they were going through the blizzard and they see even more militia guys <laughs> at some old NORAD base. And we find out this is why they wanted to steal those old computer parts, because to use the old um, outdated computer to, to crack this old outdated lock that's here. And apparently the bad guys now have jet skis, <laughs> or not jet skis, snow skis. And Bart sets up, like, a rope. I mean, they just keep more and more of these bad guys. It's, like, the most well-armed, well-trained militia ever. ever. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, uh-huh. it's kind of weird, because on page 26, Impulse is setting up, like, a rope so that when they come by with their snow skis, it'll knock them down. And if you look right where, like, it says 26 in the snow, it says, after Ramos. So I don't know if this was a panel that was in an Impulse book that Ramos drew, or he's just... Copying his style or or yeah. what's what, but it it seems kind of a weird thing to put in the
0: the snow. Did you catch not that
2: little thing? I, okay,
0: no, not, not at all. I I had to pick that up, but I'm looking at it. That's the first I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can see the moon
2: pretty clear, which is kind of weird because usually if it's if it's a if it's a blizzard, there's clouds and you can't see the moon. <laughs> right, but right. This is a a <laughs> blizzard on a cloudless night. Um, so. Uh, the the snowplow thing works. That they crash like a, a speedster into a tree on the moon of Endor, <laughs> and now Robin and and um, Mistral are fighting. And one thing I've noticed, especially in these art of this time, because I noticed it, I think yeah, I've noticed this in the Robin books. When we talk about the Kingsnake book, I'll talk about it. There 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 seemed to be an issue with some artists when they had a character who was like in the air fighting the head and the neck don't seem to go with the body and when we when we do the king snake um issues i'll show you i'll talk about that but here on 28 did you notice robin's head is just like not in not in the right spot for his body
0: (laughs) i didn't pick that up at all i mean uh, uh, mistral's head is kind of the same way on 27 a little bit which is going on to the jet ski like the jet ski seems like into the background a little bit And uh, her body is in the foreground, so it seems disproportionate. But if you're saying, like, that's kind of how the style is. But, yeah, it looks like Tim's head has completely fallen off.
2: Yeah. And uh, the next part of the story is where it gets really, like, you just either have to take it with a grain of salt or make a podcast 22 years later after it comes out and laugh (laughs) at it, which is what we're doing. Uh, And somehow these computer parts that Vilk had stolen from the phone company's old computer is able to... um, get this old base that's just up in the mountains to launch every single nuclear weapon we have at Russia, since he's angry at Russia, even though he's Russian, he's angry at Russia for not being the Soviet Union anymore, and is trying to, as he says, raining several hundred tons of nuclear nightmare on, quote, Mother Russia. So, when you read this, did you have the same kind of like, uh kind of feeling as I yeah, did. Yeah,
0: a little bit. That's like one of the contrivances of, ah, I've defected from the place that I hate, Now I'm going to blow up the place that I hate. Like, no. Yeah.
2: And what's funny is, um, you know, in another book I might be okay, but Mark Wade and Brian Augustine, I, like, expected better from them, you know? They're,
0: yeah, you, you, same yeah, thing. I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. This really feels like it was a rushed job, even going back to what you were saying about the colors of the book. It seems like it's a very limited palette and this was probably kind of in a place of an annual let's get this thing out and it's a very like basic yeah. story getting this moving along. so it's probably like there''s to do and
2: the thing is all this fight there's like page after page after page of fighting there there aren't really too many character beats. Like yeah. I do like it that it's we're, it feels more like Tim Drake than um, Dick Grayson. You know, we're not getting the little quips and the the smart smart alec answers. And there was one or two things like when when the Impulse said, "Well, no one asked me to get us out of the the avalanche," you know. But for the most part, it's pretty bland. Yeah. It could have been any two heroes. It could have been anybody fighting and saying these things. It, it, it wasn't that great characterization, um, although. I do like seeing Tim kind of kick butt, and, and he does kind of take charge of everything. Here's here's where I might get some more hate mail, too. Um, and I'm not going to get political, I'm just saying it's ironic. So when Mother Russia is going to face this um, nuclear nightmare, it is the conservative, right-winged, uh, white supremacist who is... Uh, uh, Trying to uh, not get Russia blown up, I guess Dagan kind of steps in and um, tries to stop him and uh and then he gets shot that's where Degen gets killed but it's kind of funny with the news uh, I'll let people take whatever side they want but the news with all this stuff about collusion and Donald Trump with Russia and what was going on with Russia and was Hillary Clinton with Russia and all this stuff and then here it is a book 22 years ago with you know right-wing white supremacists trying to save Russia (laughs) it was just like oh my gosh did, did they have some kind of like premonition about future events um did you have any connection with any of that? No, or?
0: maybe other than Donald Trump is really a uh, DC Comics fan, and they said, here, read this Robin and Impulse story. Nobody will remember this, and we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no. No no connection there uh, oh, what, whatsoever uh, for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, so it turns out, uh, so Dagan gets killed. Vilk runs away after starting the launch code, uh, and Tim knows that there's a passcode, I guess, or a sequence that you can type in to stop the, the war with Russia, stop um, that, but there's trillions of different combinations, and Tim doesn't know what the code is, but he knows the format. Um, he knows that it's five numbers followed by three letters and then another two numbers, and since impulse can go at super speed, he can type super, super fast, every possible combination, and disarm it and this is where i i wonder like this is where i get to like wouldn't his the friction melt the plastic can't the doesn't the computer have a processing speed that can't go that fast like i start get thinking real world into it so i mean it's kind of clever to to have yeah. them both solve it and have him do that super speed and you know it's the dc universe with superman flying around so maybe it's some kind of uh you know Frictionless, maybe the speed. Yeah, I mean you could come up with something. Maybe his speed force prevents the the keys from melting or something like that. But but it it wasn't really a um, a nail biter ending. You kind of see from the you know it it takes some. Let's see what is it. Page 31, 32, 33, 34, till it shuts down. So it's four pages, and not once do you ever think, oh, they're not going to get it. Not once do you you see it come in all four pages. It's more just like tedious, just kind of reading through to get to it. Um, but what did you think of their solution to stop the war with Mother Russia?
0: I mean, you use your, your plot device of BART being really fast and the computers can only go – so fast in 1996 but a a thing that i was kind of looking at was tim drake is like steve buscemi in armageddon where he's like please do a good job please do a good job please do a good job while they're tearing apart the thing seemed out of character for tim it's a little out of character yeah Yeah. um so that was something where i feel like the back of the the front of the book is kind of like the back of the book again where tim stops feeling like himself a a little bit yeah so, but yeah, like you were saying about the computer, it can only go so fast in 1996. But who knows? Maybe he has. Ginger-like fingers, nothing to do with the color of his hair, Ginger, but uh, where I, he could type as fast or it's like, it's a comic book, you're reading too much into it, but looking at my computer in uh, 2018 and knowing how fast it can go, there was no way my computer back in 1998 or 96 was going to go that fast, but it's it's part of the story and it is, it is what it is, and it's just, I think it's part for the course for the issue, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that I, I think is missing in the Flash, and I heard, um, oh gosh, the the Mitch Gerards, I think his name, the writer, uh, the artist on Mister Miracle, was talking about him and um, uh, Tom King want to do a Flash story, but have no um, no running poses throughout the whole story, and just have it all be about time and doing stuff with time and doing the the nine panel format with time, and I. I I think it's not done enough in how. All right, flash can go fast, but the rest of the world can't. So yeah. you could go to a keyboard and you could type real fast, but the keys will melt and the you know the the screen, the cursor, like the letters aren't going to come up super fast. Like you still got to wait for that letter to come up. You know, you can super fast like you know go in your kitchen and you know uh, put the coffee in the the filter and put the filter in the the pot and press start, but you still have to wait five minutes for it to percolate, right. and, you know, brute-like, <laughs> and they don't do that enough in The Flash. I remember Grant Morrison was talking about how much he loved Superman Returns in the airplane sequence when Superman was trying to stop the plane from falling, and he grabs the wing, and the wing rips right yeah. off the plane. It's like, he's super strong, but the materials and the, the world around him's not. Like, he still has the limitations of the world, and, and uh, I, I just think that's missing a bit in the flash. And I would love to see that Tom King flash. Uh, yeah. But going to uh, the next little bit, we see uh, Mistral um, meets Vilk. And I, I, does she kill him?
0: It's hard to say. I think she
2: kills him, no, right?
0: Like, no, I think she I, I think she saves him uh, right towards the end Or does here. she just take him as prisoner? Yeah, I think she he takes him more as prisoner. Uh, looks like he's bound up here. Uh, At the very end, the the panel layout doesn't do a really good job. I'm trying to look here. Yeah, it looks like Robin and uh, Bart of and Tim does
2: say, "Uh, "Nice job capturing." Yes. So okay, yeah, she does.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, they're down there on the on the ground.
2: And then, if you notice, the blizzard stopped. (laughs) There's no snow. Yeah. And, and in fact, helicopters can now fly (laughs) in the sky. (laughs) So, um, and then guess what? Guess what there's more of? more. There's more henchmen. There's more (laughs) militiamen. Even though their leader's been killed, their Russian guy's been taken, the girl's gone, there's still some more to fight. So, page 36, we get some more fighting. Uh, And then this is really weird. Miss uh, takes off her mask, goes into her cabin... And then leaves in the um, out the window, and then we find out that not only was her blonde wig covering her blonde hair, but she was also wearing like a face mask, like like uh, and which don't they do that in Mission Impossible too? Yes. like don't they have like a face and then they t- yeah yeah. So they were borrowing heavy from Mission Impossible <laughs> in this Definitely. one.
0: Definitely, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I got the and her hair's yeah. blonde under the blonde hair and the blonde wig, fake blonde, so it's more blonde on blonde. Yes. So I thought, let's just lean in with the blonde. Those are the only colors we have in our coloring palette for the issue.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) I I can imagine, too, the mask she was wearing of a different face was exactly the same as her other face. She just rips it off, and it's the same face underneath it. So, yeah, so somehow she was wearing three blonde wigs at some point in this, uh, and then... um, Tim, on page 37, um, second to last page, he says, She may be gone, but I have a feeling our paths will cross hers again someday. And then Impulse says, You wish. And he says, Knock it off, because Impulse had been teasing him that he kind of had a crush on her. Uh, but I don't believe their paths ever cross again. So
0: Yeah, that, yeah. that, that would have been something for it to pan out that maybe... And maybe that could have been a plan in the Impulse plus Robin book. She would have come back around or something like that. Um, she kind of reminds me of the Golden Pharaoh a little bit the first time that I saw her uh, her, her likeness or whatever. But, uh, um, yeah, I liked her as a character. Um, and it's kind of a a throwaway line for Robin to say, maybe there was a a greater plan for her to be here, but I thought she would have been a nice addition uh, (laughs) to, to to the team or whatever again. So anyway, that's, that is all I have to say about that. So here's a part that I was uh, trying to say earlier that I kind of fumbled around a little bit Uh, on the last page is Robin and impulse walking back to the cabin I feel like there was should have been another beat. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we know that they're going to go walking back to the cabin, but shouldn't shouldn't they have arrived back at the cabin and everybody would have seen them and they maybe could have got out of their costumes and been like, oh, hey, here we are, you know, we we found a, a cabin just down uh, from ours we couldn't get back to because of the snow and it's it's not. The story just isn't flushed out right here. I think, and we're probably being overly critical about this, but I think another page or another couple panels in here would have really maybe tied that up. Because as far as everybody else knows, they're dead. They're out in the snowstorm, and you know these these boys yeah. are dead.
2: Yeah, I would have been happier if they would have cut out the whole page twenty two and twenty three with them worried about um, Tim yes. and uh, Bart missing. Just played it like no one knew they were missing, and then took those two pages at the end and maybe had like a little next day kind of thing, you know, like just a couple like lighthearted quips or something, skiing or, you know, something, you know, funny like that, where like, you know, um, because Bart would, Tim would know who Bart was, but Bart wouldn't know who Tim was or something like that. So you could have done a little something more fun in a character beat that way as opposed to this thread of oh my gosh they all think they're lost and dead in a blizzard and never come back to it
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that i i agree totally I, I mean that just like i said that's that's what i would have done in uh that that less little page and getting ready that sequence i think would have uh worked very well
2: rob i'll say this there's some nice fluidity between this and young justice yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yes. good. We brought that word back. So there's your game at home, folks. Fit fluidity in. <laughs> yes,
2: Sherlock Ward dropped that on us on the uh, other podcast that we did uh, on the Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. And since when I edited that, I have made like a mental note, like I have to drop fluidity <laughs> into the yeah the podcast.
0: So, yeah, yes. that's 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 really good on Sherlock. She pulled that uh, right out of the air on us. I'm like, oh, real good, really good.
2: Ryan is our page 22 and 23 where we like leave have something and Ryan has strep throat and we'll never come back to it and find out if he's okay. We'll just you know never speak of him again. So, but uh, I wanted to ask you about the ad on the back of the, the comic. It's the Batman Hollow ser- series. These Skybox trading cards. Were you into these trading cards at all?
0: I, I bought a few different sets of the trading cards through throughout the years. I think there was like a, a history of Batman or something like that in trading cards. I remember seeing these and it was always something, Oh, I had to pick them up. I had to pick them up. And I, I, I just didn't for whatever reason. So um, it, it was on my radar and something every now and then I would go, Oh, I had to go tr- track those down. But, you know, after a while I was like, yeah, I think comics are, are going to be just good enough for me. So yeah, I, I never did.
2: I don't remember this particular series, the Hollow series, but there was series a couple of years before that that was like the DC yeah. heroes, and I was crazy oh, cool. for them. And there was like a Marvel one. I didn't get the Marvel. A lot of my friends were into the Marvel ones. And then, um, yeah, I remember there was just like some random hologram cards in it. And there was the Star Trek Skybox series that had some random hologram cards. And I remember like all f- four cards... There were four random hologram cards and all four cards were going at like the local comic book store for 50 bucks and I I <laughs> bought them. I spent wow. 50 bucks on four hologram cards which I couldn't even tell you where they are Gosh. now. Um if I even still have them, I don't even know. But um yeah, that's, that was crazy. And this that's going back I was in high school. So this is, you know, 50 bucks Shh. then is you know even
0: more now. So uh yes, yeah, it's, it's sad. <laughs> 50. Wow, that's that's crazy. I know.
2: I, I was, I was going to say, 50 bucks on Star Trek cards. If I had a girlfriend, you'd <laughs> kill
0: me. You know? Yeah, that, there's plenty of stuff I that we've all bought like that.
2: Yes. So all you guys who wasted all that money on dates and then going to the movies and popcorn, I had Star Trek cards. Yeah, so, I ha-ha. got Star
0: Trek cards. And I got Batman cards. What do you got, a girlfriend? <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, I, I said we we're going to get hate mail from people in Alabama after that. People in Alabama are just going to feel bad for me. They're like writing the letter. They're like, you... Oh, I just feel bad for them. They're ripping it up right now, this poor guy. Uh, like, he spent you know,
0: $50 yeah. on cards and couldn't take his girlfriend out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh,
2: they weren't even Star Wars, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. there yeah. you go. That's That's funny.
2: Yes. So for our next podcast, Rob, you know what you have to do. You have to go to the tattoo parlor and get a big snake tattooed right on your chest or you're
0: not a true Tim Drake fan. And then my wife will kill me and say, Terrence, why did you tell Rob to go get a tattoo? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the plan going forward. Hopefully Ryan is better. And, uh, he gets through his uh, strep throat. It would, we would love to have had him uh, on this episode, but uh, was unable to. So hopefully uh, Nora, his wife, Sarah, and Ryan all get uh, better much, much quicker. And we will be looking at uh, the Detective Comics. Uh, let me find the issue here. Detective Comics 9, jeez, nine, 685, Robin 17, and 686 for... Uh, The King Snake crossover, and I had been saying that I think it was the last King Snake uh, appearance in the Robin and Batman books, but I just saw somebody post a picture of King Snake from another Batman story. It's in uh, issue 91, so that'll be (laughs) kind of interesting. I don't know why that's funny but yeah he's there so anyway uh that's gonna do it all for this episode uh you got any other uh final little words or tidbits or
2: yeah it should be fun um i was rereading those issues this week because i thought that's what we're going to talk about today um so it's pretty fresh and um was it robin 17 um And what are the detective numbers? Uh, 685 and 686. And it's pretty cool because it it also involves the Huntress and Nightwing, uh, Ponytail Nightwing. Uh, And the um, story to me felt like a kung fu movie. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys had it in Ohio but growing up in Long Island New York one of the local stations on uh, I think it was Saturdays I'd watch it at my grandmother's and they called it like kung Fu theater and they would just show martial arts movies from um, I guess China and Japan and they were dubbed in English but the the, the mouths never matched the um, the what's called, the the words and stuff and they just had like these like kind of storylines that evolved usually revenge and gangs and fighting and people and this really felt like a chuck dixon kung fu movie which i'll probably say the exact same thing on the next podcast <laughs> but uh if you haven't read these pick them up read them and then listen to our next podcast which will that be 79 right yeah. 79 <laughs> uh yeah so um anyway those are my thoughts
0: all right, so this is where we're going to end Episode 78. 79 is around the corner, and when we uh, come back in a couple weeks, it'll be Batman, Robin, Nightwing, the Huntress, Ponytail Nightwing, and King Snake for Episode 79. So on the behalf of Terrence, this is Rob, and a strep throat Ryan saying, we will see you guys on the next episode. See you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the Batmanuniverse.net. Tim, Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are in the copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at eltd podcast. You can also email in at podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there it'll help spread the word of the show make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net your home for all things Batman and Robin thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake we'll see you in a few weeks take care